Welcome to Baking with House of Bread, and I am your host, Sheila McCann. So today we are going to talk bagels. I have to say that I really like the chewiness of the bagel, so it's much different than a bread. The reason why is because you boil the bagels. The other key aspect of a bagel is it's a cold fermentation. We use our grandma's white dough. So it's the same dough that we talked about in episode five. What we do is we put it in the refrigerator. We refrigerate overnight, and then we pull it out the next morning. We shape the bagels, and then we boil them, and then we bake them. I got to that point after looking at several bagel recipes, and what I noticed, when uh, most of them have the use of a high-protein bread flour. And that's the other reason I think that the bagels are chewy. So it's the boiling and then the use of the high protein bread flour. Most of the recipes also had, basically it was the same thing as Grandma's White. Uh, Sometimes they had like a malt barley as the sweetener in it. Um, But we don't have that in the bakery. So I just went back to honey. And then I realized I was kind of creating was Grandma's White. (laughs) And so it was so much easier not have to do another mix. So what we have the bakers do is... They make um, grandma's white every day and then they pull some of the dough and then they throw it in the refrigerator and then that's what's going to be the bagels the next day. And one of the things I really like about doing this podcast because I get to learn some new things. So I looked up bagels on the internet, where they come from, and I was surprised. So I thought they came probably from New York City and no, guess what country they come from? Poland. So according to Wikipedia, a bagel was historically spelled B-E-I-G-E-L, and it's a bread product originating in the Jewish communities of Poland. It is traditionally shaped by hand in the form of a ring from a yeasted wheat dough, roughly about hand size, that is first boiled for a short time in water and then baked. The result is a dense, chewy, doughy interior with a brown and sometimes crisp exterior. And bagels are often topped with seeds, baked on the outer crust, with the traditional ones being poppy and sesame seeds. And so what makes the bagel have a chewier, slightly dense inside with the crust is because of the boiling process. So if you don't boil your bagels, it really is just a roll with a hole in the middle. We used to make what we called them unbagels, and so we didn't boil them. Because here's the deal. My bakery is really small and I don't have a boiling. I didn't have anything to boil the bagels in. Commercially, you're supposed to use equipment that's NSF approved. National Safety Foundation is what it stands for. I wasn't going to go spend, you know, hundreds and thousands of dollars on a machine that boils bagels when first I don't have the room for it. And I don't know what kind of market I have for it. So what I do, I just went and bought something for like 45 bucks at Target, and it will boil about 10 bagels at a time. And I'll try to find a link to something similar, like on Amazon, kind of give you an idea what I got. And the health department, they came through, they didn't seem to say anything, because, I mean, really, if you think about it, there's really not a health issue. I mean, you're boiling, (laughs) just boiling the dough. And so, you know, anyway, they kind of let it slide. So that's what I use. I use a pretty much a residential setup in a commercial setting, Um, to make our bagels. I just got tired of trying to explain to everybody what an unbagel was. Even 
today, though, we do have uh, one of the House of Breads in Reno still makes their own bagels, and they do pretty well with them. But everywhere else, we do the real bagel method of boiling the bagels and having a cold fermentation for the dough. And the reason you boil things like pretzels and bagels, because what it does, it will set the crust before it is placed in the oven. It's a starch on the exterior. And what happens is it in the boiling, it quickly will gel and it'll form a barrier. And that's going to do two things. One, it's going to prevent the water from penetrating very far into the dough. And the second thing is, is when you go to put it in the oven, it's not going to rise as much and you're going to get the chewiness. So if you think about it, I'm going to give you grandma's white recipe. It does not taste like grandma's white at all. And if you think about this in bread, I teach a um, artisan bread class. It involves doing French bread and ciabatta. And the interesting thing about this class is that it has the same ingredient. It's just flour, water, yeast, and salt. Those two don't have any honey in it. It's amazing how different the end products are. I mean, ciabatta tastes much different from French bread. And this bagel that we're going to produce in this podcast tastes much different than Grandma's White. But here's the nice thing about it is that you can make the Grandma's White recipe or you can make any of your favorite recipes. So if you've got a favorite high gluten dough that you make with bread flour, then you can go ahead and make that a bagel. You just boil it before you put it in the oven. Oh, actually, take that back. Two things. Well, you boil it before you put it in the oven, but you also put the dough in the refrigerator overnight. So you do need that cold fermentation. Anyway, so if you're going to do the Grandma's White recipe, it makes about three pounds, which is enough for about two loaves. Um, you could do one loaf and you could do some bagels out of the other dough. So it really gives you a nice versatility. And the same reason that it's nice at home is also commercially because we don't have to incur the extra labor costs and making a whole nother mix. Plus, I mean, I got a 140 quart mixer. It's six foot tall. And so I can't make just, you know, two dozen bagel dough. It, it just doesn't work in that big, huge mixer. So we would have to hand knead it. And it's a labor saving device just using our grandma's white recipe. And plus, it really is a good bagel. And I have to tell you is that I have a, a competitor, so to speak, is um, House of Bagels. And the reason I use that term, so to speak, because I, quite frankly, I embrace my competitors that are the small micro bakeries. They're not my competitors, if I look at it this way, because 98% of the people in America buy their bread in the grocery store. And that's what I want to stop. So the people that are buying their bread at, we have another bakery in town called Breaking Bread. Heck, I, I refer so much business to them because if we run out of something or if I know that they make something that I don't, I'm referring people to them all the time. The other thing is, is that we have what's another concept called House of Bagels. I was in town first, by the way. <laughs> so I'm House of Bread, they're House of Bagels, and they use the same font, which is a papyrus font, which is a little annoying. I know the owner. He's a nice guy. Our oven broke one time. And as you can imagine, in a commercial setting, when your oven doesn't work, it's pretty much a nightmare. So I've got bread in the oven. I've got a crank, hand crank, try to get that out. I got dough rising. I've got, you know, that's already been shaped. And I also have like five mixing bowls full of dough that needs to be formed. 
And then you have like special orders. I mean, so it's like, what am I going to do? Anyway, he was nice enough to allow me to come in there and finish our bake. I actually went back there for like two more days, helped. It was kind of interesting because I got to see the interior of a bagel operation and they had this huge tub for boiling their bagels. I want to say it's, it's like bigger than a bathtub. It's really big. The other thing is, is they've got a, it's a sheeter molder for bagels. And so what you do is you throw in a portion of dough and then it shapes into that big, nice ring. So their bagels turn out beautiful 100% all the time. Where our bagels at House of Bread, they are hand-shaped. And so they're much more like the bagels that probably turn out for most of you home bakers. Right? So I kind of look at it as a good selling point. So we don't make them by machine, so we make them by hand. So they're not going to be 100% perfect, but they're still going to taste really good. And so that's kind of the key thing. I guess I'm getting back to my point about my um, the House of Bagels is that they're only six blocks away from my bakery. I'm like, why don't people just go there? But no, I get regulars that come to my bakery every single day for our bagels. And then when we run out, I refer them to House of Bagels and they they don't like them as much for whatever reason. And I'm sure there's people that go to House Bagels that don't like House of Bread bagels as much either. But same time is, is that I can tell you, I ask them, I say, well, why do you like ours? And then what they tell me is that, well, I don't know, it's just they... They seem to taste fresher and better. So so there you go. And it is true. We don't sell our bagels the next day. So we only sell them the day we bake it. And then, well, if it doesn't sell, we put it on the day old rack. So I guess we do technically sell it the next day, but we label it as day old. And I really think is that most people are not used to having fresh made bagels. And especially if you're buying them in the supermarket. And you can imagine how long it's been since they were manufactured. And the more commercialize the company is, you know, the hurt, the earth grains and those, you know, whatever the oral wheats, those huge companies that make bagels. It's going to be, I look at it this way, the bigger the company, the longer it has been since they produced it because they figure out ways to make more money and how they make more money is extending the shelf life. And they end up putting in some weird stuff in there. So anyway, so it really isn't worth it to make your own bagels. I could trust me, you will find that it's super easy and you really will get that nice chewy texture. And that's kind of why I resisted for, you know, probably 15 years from doing bagels because I didn't want to, ha- I didn't know how to boil bread. I mean, I hadn't done it before. So I, I don't know, I just kind of resisted. Plus, I didn't want to buy the huge pieces of equipment. And then I just figured out, okay, well, we can just do this the home method and see how it goes. And so we started by making, I'm not kidding, just six bagels. And now we do about 24 bagels a day. And then sometimes we'll even do more. So we have to do a couple batches with our setup. The other interesting thing I learned, so I filled my baker and she's one of the best bakers I've ever had. So I'm filming her for YouTube because I did post a YouTube video up on bagel formation because I knew I was going to do this podcast. And so then I'm asking her what she's doing. So I look at the recipe I've given them and then I'm asking her what she's doing. Well, there's kind of a natural evolution because these bakers are making bagels every single day and I trust her judgment. And so it's interesting to see how things have evolved because I was saying you got to boil them 
at least 30 to 60 seconds each side. And and she goes, no, I just boil it for 15 seconds each side. So so there you go. That was one difference. And then uh, the other thing is, is I thought we were making a four ounce size, you know, which is kind of like the size of your fist, right? Kind of smaller. But they're adding, actually, they're doing five ounces of dough, which I'm quite okay with because an ounce of dough cost me, oh, geez, it's, it's, it's like less than 10 cents. So I'm totally fine making them bigger because what happened was is people were asking for sandwiches on bagels and it really ended up looking like a small sandwich. I would rather they add a little more dough into it. So, so anyway, that's kind of what happened. And it was much more of a learning when I was watching it. The other thing is, is that I, my recipe has honey being added to the boiling water. And that's what I'm going to give you in the recipe too. But the same time is, is that I found out that they're not doing that anymore. They are adding baking soda. And then she puts in some salt in the beginning because again, we don't have a stovetop, so it's one of those electric griddles. And so to get it to boil, because you really you can't use just hot water, right? Because what happens is you're not going to set the starch on the outside of the of the bagel. It it has to be boiling water. That's kind of one key thing. And trust me, if you've been listening to this podcast long enough, you'll know that I'm not very absolute because I remember hearing all those absolute, you can't do this, you have to do this, or blah, blah, blah. Well, try it out for yourself. And see if it makes a difference, because I can tell you that I don't care how many scientific studies they quote, there's science and then there's reality. And the reality comes from doing something repeatedly and you learn, you know, what has to absolutely happen and what steps you can't skip in order to have a really good product. And that is always the goal. We've got to have an excellent product. And I'm sure at home, that's exactly what you want, too. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to make her put honey in the boiling water or anything like that because uh, she is one of the best bakers I have had ever. Second of all, you kind of learn with your staff. You know, if you've got an employee that's 98% there, you don't pick on them for the 2%. (laughs) You just kind of let it go. Why do you boil is that's why you're going to get that chewy crust. And then the second thing is the cold fermentation. So, I'm going to tell you those are the two absolutes of bagels. Now, if you want to use a the malt syrup, you can use that. You can use it in the dough and you can also use it in the water. And that apparently is what's at the New York bagel. So the New York bagels generally use a malt syrup. And then in the Montreal bagels, which isn't that far away from New York City, right? They use honey. So when I discovered that, that's when I went up to use and started using grandma's white dough for our bagels. So I am going to include the recipe for grandma's white in the show notes, but I'm not going to go over it that much here. It's pretty, it's an easy dough. And like I said, you can do any one of the ones you want. I will tell you that I end up buying a slotted spoon. So you're going to need something to fish the bagels out of the boiling water. So you can, if you have like a strainer, a mesher or something that will, you know, pick it up, or you can use um, just a slotted spoon is what you use at the bagel, or excuse me, at the bakery. And it kind of, it, it has to be a big enough spoon that the bagel is not going to slide off and around. They're kind of slippery suckers. 
when you're fishing them out of there. That's why it feels like it's a slippery fish. Anyway, so this, get a big enough slotted spoon. And then you want to drip the excess water off the bagel. And we use a parchment paper. We just use a, a sheet pan. So if you've got cookie sheets, that'll work. And if you don't want to use parchment paper, you don't have to. But you really got to spray well. And the reason why is because we egg wash the bagels before putting them in the oven. And the egg wash sometimes will stick to the parchment paper. And then we were having to basically tear off the bagel on the parchment paper. And then we're pulling the pieces of the parchment paper off the uh, bottom of the bagel. So that all gets solved when we just spray thoroughly. We just use a non-stick spray on the parchment paper before you put the bagel dough on there. And like I said, I was saying it was four ounces for each size of a dough for a bagel. Um, but, and it turns out we we're doing five ounces, but you just really want to pick your size. So if you think of it as a big dinner roll, this is before the boiling, right? So it's got, should be about the size of your palm. What I would do is just shape it round. That's what we do in the bakery. And then we punch a hole through it. Now you can also do another method where you would roll out, you know, kind of down and out and do like mini baguette style, right? So you get a long rope of a dough and then you loop it around your hand and then squeeze it, the seam in your fist. And that'll work too. But we found that just took more time. And the other thing is, is that there also was a seam. And what happens with bagels and bread is during the rising process or the oven spring, it will find where the seam is and that's your weak point and that's where it'll come apart. So we end up having like a bagel that didn't loop all around. And so we solved it by just punching a hole through the middle. So like I said, even though we do boil it and prevent oven spring from happening that much, it still happens a little bit. You also have to stretch more of the ring to get a bigger hole in the middle than you want at the end. Because it's vital to remember that the dough is going to shrink a little as the gluten kind of pulls it back. And then it's going to expand when the bagels are also boiled and then baked. So if the dough isn't stretched into a fairly wide ring, the effects of shrinking and expansion, it's, it does a double whammy on it, producing some uh, unfortunate bagel balls with a seam in the middle, not a hole, it's kind of a seam, and you'll hear all kinds of butt jokes. <laughs> and I don't really want to hear them. So when that happens, I'm like, I'm not even putting those in the display case because I'm guaranteed the, for someone to come in and make a bunch of jokes about the bagels. After you shape your dough, so I would divide it up, shape it into round balls, and then I would let it rest a little bit. So my general rule is, is that when I'm shaping dough, I want it to rest for like a half an hour. You're resting it. That's when you want to turn on your machine that's going to boil the bagels. And it should be enough water in it that I don't want the bagel touching the bottom of the pan. So if you don't put enough water in it, then this is what's happened to us too. Then we burn the, the bagel kind of sticks. It kind of burns on the bottom. Put enough water so the bagel's not touching the bottom and then add about a tablespoon of honey. So it's just a little bit of honey. And like I said, if you've got malt syrup, you want to use that, use that, but it's not something you need to go buy on the internet. Just use whatever you have and a teaspoon of baking soda. And then after, uh, you know, whatever, 
starts boiling, get to the point where it's boiling. And then you can boil each side, try to keep it consistent. So I would start with at least 30 seconds. Um, and then kind of play around with the bagels, the texture you want. The longer you boil, the firmer the bagel is going to be the crust and the less it's going to expand in the oven. So if you like those dense, chewy bagels, then boil longer. If you like, you know, some are a little bit more on the chewier, but kind of still not quite so dense, kind of a little more puffier, then boil less. And like I said, I was boiling it for 30 seconds. And it turns out my baker was boiling for 15 seconds. Well, we sell a lot of bagels, so I, I'm not going to, you know, change it now. So I want to keep it consistent. And then you use your slotted spoon and just turn it over and then drain the water off and, and then put it back on your sheet pan. And then this is now where you can add your toppings. And so we do a plain one, gets an egg wash. We do a cheddar cheese one, and then we do a poppy sesame and sunflower seed mixture. And we call that one the everything bagel. And I have the like dried onions and I like garlic. So I prefer uh, an everything bagel with all that on there. But what happened was we kept burning it. If you do want to add those, we, a granulated garlic will work fine. But if you want to do the big chunks of garlic, and the dried garlic or the dried onions, really what's going to happen is that you have to stop the baking halfway through and then add the onion mixtures on top. And then we also tried hydrating. So we tried taking the dried onions and hydrating them in olive oil and then throw them on the bagel. And that helped, but they still ended up kind of getting a little bit burnt looking. I didn't like the look of it. So if, if you're going to go for an onion bagel, it's great. But what you're going to have to do is stop halfway through the bake and then add on your dried onions. And it's totally fine for home bakers, but it's a little impractical to do in the commercial setting. And that's why we go just to the seed mixture for those bagels. I do have an oven that will allow for some steam, but we actually will add extra steam in it for like, you know, some of our other items like ciabatta and whatnot. And, but for the bagels, I don't bother adding extra steam. In harder crusted breads, or if you want a harder crusted bagel, you really want to inject steam. I know that sounds counterintuitive that you add moisture for it to get a, a harder crust, but that's actually what you do. And um, so we don't do that for our bagels. So we just let them bake in there. I, tried using other doughs and our honey whole wheat mixture worked great if you want to do honey whole wheat bagels and then somebody had asked about blueberry bagels so i had a franchisee in wasilla alaska and so they want, got a request for blueberry bagels well here's the deal first of all you're gonna have to add it in at the mixing stage and so it's not something you can just add in on top so what i explained to her is that you take out your frozen blueberries. We don't use fresh blueberries. I'd be nice if we did, but trust me, I don't. <laughs> It'd be hard to put a price point that people would buy it if we had to use fresh blueberries. Um, but at home, you certainly can. But you just want to make sure if you're using frozen blueberries that they're room temperature before you add it into the mix. So you just add it in with your honey, flour, water, yeast, and salt. For this recipe, I would start at a half a cup um, room temperature blueberries and then 
as with all add-ins, I tend to prefer to get to the good dose stage. So get to the point where you're, you know, you're doing your window pane test, you've got the gluten development, and then go ahead and add whatever you want. So if you want to add blueberries, keep in mind, you're likely going to have to add some flour too, because the blueberries are going to have another, some more moisture in it. Now, if you wanted to do cinnamon raisin bagels, it's the same thing. I would knead in about two thirds cup of raisins and you can push it a little bit more, maybe to a cup, but you don't really want to go too much further than that. Because if you add in too many add-ins, what happens is that the dough will fall apart on you or the bagel or bread, whatever you're trying to make. The other thing is, is that I would add in sugar with the cinnamon. So I have to prefer brown sugar because it melts better than granulated sugar. So I would use the same ratio I use for our cinnamon roll and it's 16 to one. So it'd be a cup of brown sugar to a tablespoon of, of cinnamon. And you could either put that on top, which would be easier, but it's not really authentically cinnamon, you know, it's not throughout the whole dough. It would, you should add it in at the mixing stage just to get it more thoroughly dispersed in your product. And we have also done jalapeno cheddar bagels, and that's really easy too. You just put the um, jalapeno and cheddar cheese on there. And there's something about cheese that goes with the jalapenos that kind of mellows out the jalapenos. So you get a nice good you know, bite, but it's not super hot. And if you want to add even a little more tang to your bagels, what you could do is mix in a cup of sourdough starter. It can either be the fed sourdough or the ripe or the unfed. You can use your discard if you discard your sourdough starter and then feed it again. And what you want to do is keep in mind what your portions are generally in your starter. So everyone's starter is a little bit different. For ours, I consider it's a one-to-one. So it's one flour to one water. So when I would add in a cup of sourdough starter to this recipe, I would pull back a half a cup of each. So half a cup of water and a half a cup of flour. And once again, with bagel dough and bread baking, you really get a feel for the dough. And you'll once you get a feel for the dough, it's really easy to substitute other, other items, whether you want to add some sourdough starter or you want to add in some other type of flour. And so you certainly can in this recipe add in like a cup of wheat flour and take out a cup of the white flour, um, but you don't want to go too much more than that unless you want to, uh, you're going to end up with a much more denser product. And so for our bagels, we bake them for about 35 minutes, but I would like you to start with about 20 minutes at a 40, 400 degree oven. Bagels are done at about 185, so it's a little bit higher temperature than bread. So I like them baked about 185 degrees. And if you end up having, you want to do loaves at 350 degrees, like you want to split the grandma's white, and I recommend that be baked at 350 degrees, you can take the bagel and go ahead and bake it at 350 degrees. It's just going to take a little bit longer to bake, and it won't have quite as of a crunchier crust. I'm going to talk a little bit about bagel troubleshooting. And a lot of it is just that's the shaping issues. So you, you don't get the middle um, wide enough and you end up with the seam in the middle and you have those, you know, that butt look that you don't really want. Or if you have too large of a hole, it it looks like, huh? Is that like a donut? It's it's something you can kind of play around with and, and you'll figure it out. 
And if you have your ends coming apart, then I would just go to the ball and then punch through in the middle. It's easier than the, the kind of the rope and seal. The other thing is, is that if even if it's not a smooth ring, um, you'll see if you do watch that YouTube video, and I'll put a link in the show notes to that, is that we have, uh, it's got kind of a cutout. And so that's what we cut out for the middle of the bagel. But trust me, I mean, sometimes I, I couldn't find that thing and I just use my thumb and it works fine. And once again, the beauty of home baking is that it looks handmade and it's authentic if it's not perfect. So that's what your goal is to make something that looks good, but it doesn't have to be perfect. Okay, so let's say you've got a rust, uh, kind of a rough crust and it's a small bagel, they're too dense. Well, it could, okay, let's start from the beginning. It could be like with anything, if you have any bread that ends up that is small and dense, it could be poor gluten development. Okay, so you just didn't knead the dough long enough or you used a flour that was too weak for the job, like a low protein flour, such as all purpose or pastry. And that is something that I do want you to use a higher gluten flour for your bagels. And that'll help that. And so it will help it from being like a sh too short and dense. And then the other thing is, is that the boiling water has to be bubbly hot. And sometimes that can require a little bit of patience as the water will cool if you're going in between batches. And that's where we've seen it happen where, you know, and see also too, sometimes the bakers get diverted because they got the oven timer going up. So they're making a batch of bagels and then the oven timer goes off and they come back and the water's been sitting there and it's not boiling anymore. So they really need to get it back to a boil. Otherwise, you're going to get a mushy bagel. And really, you're going to get a poor rise overall, overall making the bagel small and dense. What I aimed for about a day before for the proofing of the dough in the refrigerator, we've also ended up letting it go for 48 hours. So if you want to make bagels two days later, that's fine. Just put the dough in the refrigerator. And um, I will tell you that any longer than that, it over fermented. And what happens is it results in a weak gluten and that end up with little bagels. They were kind of tough rather than chewy. Don't want to push it more than two days. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and I love feedback. And so you can email me at Sheila at houseofbread.com. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for future episode topics. And the best way to support this podcast is to subscribe and post a review. And I'm going to give you a little heads up what I'm going to do next time. I had a podcast customer, I guess you would call it. Or maybe you just call them listeners. Anyway, it was Mr. Cooper, and he emailed me and asked me to do some more of the harder crusted style. And I am going to devote my next podcast in his honor, and we're going to do ciabatta. And I tell you what, I really like ciabatta. It has such a different flavor, and I, I don't know how to really describe it. It is one of my favorite breads, and it really is only good for about a day, though. I will tell you that. The next day, eh, a little bit too hard. And by the third day, it's kind of, we don't even make croutons out of it because it's so hard. <laughs> and I, I was going to do an artisan sourdough, but I took our recipe and I made it, I made it really small for, you know, the home bakers that are going to do like two loaves at a time, but I, it didn't turn out. So I got to um, 
work on that one a bit. But the ciabatta one, I've done home baking because that's the one we do in our hard crusted classes. That um, we also have that online too. But anyway, so that's what the next topic is going to be. And I thank him for his suggestion. So until next time, everybody, happy baking.